to an agoraphobia, fear of uh, open or crowded spaces, interestingly, uh, claustrophobia, yeah, small spaces, confined spaces, and so forth. So if I get some of these pronunciations wrong, please forgive me because they are getting a little bit more challenging. Uh, glossophobia, not paint, no. <laughs> Comedy amongst us. It is, uh, if anyone, the fear of public speaking. Uh, yeah. Uh, here, next one is electorophobia. Some of these are slightly more random than others. This is the fear of chickens. <laughs> next one, globophobia. No, fear of balloons. I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? Next one, uh, pogonophobia. Some people are thinking of things and thinking, I dare not shout this out. <laughs> that is the fear of beards. Yeah, fear of beards. So here's one that's going to challenge me. Arachibutyrophobia, or thereabouts. Not to do with plastic spiders. This is uh, bizarre. It's amazing the fears that people have. The fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> I haven't made it up. These are all true. Right, here's, here's one that really is going to challenge me. Hippopotamonstrosequiptadilophobia. Who's someone? Fear of long words. There we go. And the last one. I haven't made that. This, this is the last phobophobia. Fear of fears. Fear of fears. Do you know, as I look back upon the year and as I pray and as I ask the Holy Spirit to search my heart, it's amazing how often fear is there. I'm not thinking necessarily paralyzing fear, although that might come up. But how often we are motivated or fear is the driver in our life. You will be, and thank you so much for praying for me the last, uh, just before Christmas, and for uh, Miranda and Roy and family. You'll have heard that, that Joe, their son, was, was killed in a, a car accident in South Africa. And I was talking to some of uh, the people, uh, you know, that have been affected by that and hearing, uh, and a phrase came out of, from some of those who have children of a similar age that said, that is my worst fear. As a mother or as a parent to lose your child in that way, to have to bury your child. Fear. Thank you for praying for me as I conducted this funeral service, as I, as I, I stood before uh, 700 people plus in Holy Trinity in Stratford. Um, I opted to go into the, the pulpit, you know, in an Anglican church that's kind of raised up not only for view, but it had a lectern. And, and I was, before that, really afraid. As I drove to, to the church that uh, Wednesday morning, lunchtime, and I knew that I had to speak at this funeral in this context, I was kind of like, oh my goodness, and I, I, I phoned a friend, and I said, would you pray, and we prayed together, and the peace of the Lord came, and I thought, I'm so glad, 
for that moment where I confronted that fear, that uh, glossophobia, that fear of public speaking. I don't want to make a mess of this, Jesus. All too often, fears are there. I wonder when you look back, honestly, at 2017, and also as you and we as a church look forward into 2018, how much of our life is with faith, and how much is perhaps influenced by fear? I think if we're really honest with ourselves, there is always that contrast, there's always that conflict going on in ourselves. Someone once asked, uh, when asked what they would like to be prayed for, answered like this, very wise, pray that I don't let fear dictate my decisions. Pray that I don't let fear dictate my decisions. What are the big decisions coming up this year? For Paul and, uh, and Kath, I know in releasing Dave, I mean, he, he was going to go anyway, but there's that, you know, there's that choice. Do I live out in fear or will I, will I step out in faith? In decisions about uh, maybe a job, in moving house, choice of university, in uh, relation choices to do with family and aging, will we be dictated by fear or faith? I pray for us that we won't let fear dictate our decisions individually as a family and as a church. It's a prayer for Christmas. It's a prayer for the year to come for us that we won't let fear dictate your or our decisions. It's part of the Christmas story we know that faith is, is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And that's where it gets tricky because fear is often based on the present reality or our past experience or the imagination of what might happen. Who's lay, laying awake at night recently worrying about something that might be? We're all called by God to not let fear dictate our decisions and our lives. But I have to say to you that so often we do. Fear is the thing that defines us, and it's no way to live. We run from what we're afraid of, and when we run and give in again and again, that begins to define our lives. Fear becomes like the puppet master pulling on our strings emotionally and behaviorally, how we respond to one another, to your husband, to your wife, to your children, how we respond in a church, whether we will, we will give generously thinking, I've got to hold on to this, essentially fearing that we won't have enough or trusting in God who will provide. Will we trust in faith as we step out and say, Lord, let your kingdom come? Will we say, I'm not sure, yet faith says, I will hope for the things yet unseen. Fear, whether the threat is real or imagined, fear locks us, stifles us, and makes us freeze. The anticipation of something fearful stops us from seeing and taking opportunities and from becoming what God wants us to become. Fear causes us to feel unprotected, unsafe, insecure, and it's so often it stems from shame as we're fearful that our shame, our defectiveness, our failures will get exposed. We live constrained by it. How's your year looked? And how will it look to come? You see, life 
gets organized to avoid these fears. Fear of intimacy, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of commitment, fear, fill in the blank. And yet Jesus came to set the captive free. And fear is a large part of that, to set us free. You know, uh, psychologists tell us we're only born with two fears. Do you know what they are? The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. If you look at a little baby, they don't like edges and they don't like loud noises. They're startled. All the other fears are learned, which means every other fear can be unlearned, can be confronted with the good news. Faith is the process of unlearning fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In the turning of the years, the clocks, the diary, as we grow, are we growing in a greater conviction and deep understanding God's love for us? That we don't have anything to fear in Him. Because God's love is fearlessness. Let me read to you a story from the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, don't fear. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. There were the shepherds on the hills doing their job. And the angel of God appeared to them, and understandably they were terrified. The uh, English Standard Version says they were filled with great Fear. The King James, older in its language, said they were sore afraid. You get sore when something gets overused. When you go to the gym in January for that New Year's resolution, you'll get sore. When something is overused, it gets painful. When they were sore afraid. Sore afraid when fear dictates decisions. That fear is getting the best instead of God getting the best of you. Think of Mary and Joseph in, the, in this Christmas story that we've been celebrating and, and listening to in the wonder of the, and the sparkle of Christmas. But actually, there's a whole undercurrent of fear there that could be embraced and yet shouldn't be. I mean, Mary and Joseph, parents in unusual circumstances with social stigma attached. What will people think? Of me. We know 
how and why Mary was pregnant. Both Mary and Joseph could have been afraid of, of what people said or how they would be treated because of their condition. I mean, they were, they were parents. I, I've seen this myself when I've gone to visit newborns, particularly of those who've had their baby for the first time. The, newborn, the new parents are really anxious. It's like, we're home and there's no nurse or someone with specialist skills to tell us what to do with this little bag of, oh, things go in and things come out. What do we do? How do you hold them? Do I have what it takes to be a good mum and dad? Fear. As well as joy. For Mary and Joseph, financial anxiety, they've been told they must travel to Bethlehem to pay taxes. Can we afford it? And then to add to the potential pressures upon them, the death threats of Herod coming to wipe out all the infants, the boys under two. And they have to escape in the middle of the night as refugees and flee to Egypt. Within these wonderful stories of Christmas, there are reasons to fear. But fear isn't the reality of the Christmas story. Fear not. Do not be afraid. The angel said, I announce good news of great joy, of glad tidings. Do not be afraid. Fear not, the most repeated phrase of all of Scripture. Did you know that? God to humanity. When God appeared to Abraham in Genesis in a vision, the very first thing God declared, fear not, I will protect you. And again, again to, to uh, Abraham's son, Isaac, fear not, I am with you and I will bless you. To Moses, when it seemed that they were trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptians hunting them down, he, God said, stand still and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Fear not. Joshua at the River Jordan, fear not, I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not abandon you. The angel to Joseph, fear not. The angel to Mary, don't be afraid. On the boat at the Sea of Galilee, fear not, says Jesus. I am with you. And John, at the very end of uh, the Bible's narrative, on the island of Patmos, Jesus appeared and says, John, fear not. I am the first and the last. Again and again and again and again. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Fear not and fear is not a subplot in the Christmas story. It is one of the lead messages. God has come. God with us. God with us. Good news. Because so often in our experience of our, my own journey and of yours, I suspect, too, lurking on the edge of consciousness in the dark fears of night, they come. For us, as we step out in faith, every time, whenever I'm asked to pray for someone, will God do something? What will people think of me? Will, I be will this be awkward? Fear. In the things that we believe as, as a church that God is leading us to, stepping out in faith. Yet the Christmas message reminds us He has come, He is with us, He is for us. He loves us. There was a great Scottish preacher, a guy, a guy called John McNeil, and he told that during his childhood, he had to walk a long distance uh, to get home every evening, and the route led through a forest with a large ravine. I need you to think back to being a child now. 
Uh, my friend's little boy, he's four. Uh, I was uh, with him for Christmas, and he had to go and get something from upstairs. He was like, oh, Uncle Edward, please come with me. It's dark up there. And I said, well, you know, when it's light, there's nothing there. But it's dark, isn't it? Come with me. I'm frightened. So, of course, I said, get up there, you silly child, on your own. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said, I'll come with you. But as we walked up the stairs, I said to him, and he was like looking at me like I'm a bit weird. But I said, no, this is really true. He said, if you're frightened, just say these words. Jesus, I know that you're with me. Jesus, I know that you're with me. And he said, will that work, Glenn Gledwood? And I said, yes, it will. It wasn't helped by the fact that his dad pretends to be a bear and scares him in the dark, but <laughs> I've yet to work on that. Anyway, uh, John McNeil used to have to walk through a large forest with a large ravine. And there were reports that he'd heard as a young man that there were wild animals and gangs of robbers that were often seen in that area. And great fear would seize his heart as he made his way past those spooky-looking trees. He recalled, one night it was especially dark, but I was aware that something or someone was moving slowly and quietly towards me. I was sure that it was a robber. When a voice called out, its eerie tone struck my heart with fear. I thought that I was finished. And then the call came a second time. And this time I could hear the voice saying, John, is that you? With great relief, it was my father. That his dad had known of my fear and had come out to meet him. It was a word from John McNeil's father that brought peace to his fearful heart that night. So often we need to hear the word of the Lord. Do not be afraid. I am with you. God is good, and God's will is good. Glad tidings of great joy for all people, the essence of the Christmas story. A few years ago, I was at the New Wine Leadership Conference up in Harrogate, and um, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Willie, uh, Welby, was there. And uh, he, was, he, he gave a talk, and it was great. And afterwards, there was a question and answer, and someone asked him this question. They, said, they asked, what is the greatest challenge we face as Jesus' followers today? And without hesitation, he answered, every Christian I meet cannot quite believe that they are loved by God. Really profound. Every Christian I meet cannot quite believe that they are loved by God. And that's the heart of the matter. Will we understand that God loves us and holds us, that he is with us and for us, and that he died for us and all sin has been dealt with, and that he has uh, broken back down the dividing walls of hostility? He said, you are forgiven, you are cleansed, you are mine, and I love you. And live in that, or will we persist in that, in, in believing the lie or the accusation, or, or not trusting God at his word that says, mm, not so much. Maybe the others, but not me. You see, when we fail to trust him, that's where the fear begins. See, our love is so often reactive, we're human, but God's is proactive. God's love is not dictated by our actions. God's love is greater because it is who he is. God is love. At the heart of the Christmas story, that which we've been celebrating and feasting and, and giving gifts in recognition of, God demonstrates and shows his great love for us. He sends his son for God so loved. God who is with us and for us in every way we can imagine. Do not be afraid. 
Someone phrased it like this, fear imprisons, faith liberates. Fear paralyzes, faith empowers. Fear disheartens, faith encourages. Fear sickens, faith heals. Fear makes useless, faith makes serviceable. And most of all, fear puts hopelessness at the heart of life, while faith rejoices in its God. Fear traps. I'm told by zoologists that the African impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet, higher than I can reach, and cover a greater distance than 30 feet in a leap. Yet these wonderful bouncy creatures can be kept in an enclosure in a zoo with a three-foot-high wall. You see, the animals won't jump if they can't see where their feet will fall. Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see, and with faith we are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life that fear trappers in. Where would you rather be? In fear that constrains and holds us back, or in faith that liberates with new horizons of possibility? Faith liberates. We sometimes sing a song, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will never let go. Do you know the song? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, by, based on Psalm 23, Matt Redman and Beth Redman wrote it, your perfect love is casting out fear. Even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know you are near, and I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? And the chorus, oh no, you never let go. Through the calm and through the storm, oh no, you never let go. In every high, every low, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. He writes about that song. He says, I wrote this song with my wife, Beth. And it's special to us because it helped us make it through a very hard season in our lives. It was written in a really intense week. Beth suffered a miscarriage again. And it was also the week of the London bombings. There are times when everything in life seems to be breaking and shaking apart. And that age-old psalmist cry of, how long, O Lord, how long, is echoing through your soul. It's in seasons like those that we need to find something firm to stand on. For as real as these struggles are, there's an even greater reality we can connect with. The wisdom, power, love of our amazing God. In our darkest moments, He's as kind, caring, and in control as He ever was. The song for us was really a way of reminding ourselves that there is a God who never lets go through the times of calm and in the storm. He said of Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and aim to lead people into a place of hope, since, we've, since writing the song, we've been so encouraged by some of the emails, letters we've received. People have lost loved ones in such a hard way. And though they're very real about it and the grieving loss they've experienced, they made a choice to remain on the paths of trust and praise. Our God never let go of us and we'll never let go of Him. In this turning of the year, take some time perhaps to reflect on this year. Where has fear dictated 
your choices, your attitudes, your motives, your decision, your interrelating, in all of its guises. And where has love conquered fear? And for us as a church, as we're invited to step forward into a new year, let go of the regrets and the failures and not keep beating yourself up with them because the Lord has dealt with all our brokenness on the cross. Everything that would say, <laughs> ruled out of the game, Jesus says, I rewrite you in. You're precious to me. In the turning of the season, we press on into him, to his promises of being again in faith, not fear. A recent survey amongst Catholic church members found that the majority of those interviewed reported having a mystical, life-changing experience with God. But the majority of those interviewed said they'd never told anybody about them. Why, they were asked. And they answered, because people would think I was crazy or a Jesus freak or something. As we embraced 2018, our prayer is that we would see the kingdom of God come and encourage us as a family, as a fellowship, to be courageous and trusting in his promises as we witness and maybe invite someone to an alpha course or an event or, or maybe offer to pray and not step back in fear of oh, what will happen, but to step forward and say, this is the point of possibility. Someone writes this, fear is at the bottom of many objections about inviting people. Fear is the most destructive element of the human personality and the enemy to the Christian. That's why we're told so often, don't be afraid. It's for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. How do we combat the traps? Maybe find some of the scriptures. Go online and Google some promises of God and remember them. And when the fear comes, say, ah, 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 perfect love drives out fear. In all things, God works together for good for those who love Christ. I'm convinced that neither angels, demons, principalities, power, neither death itself will separate us from the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There's, there's dozens and dozens. If you want to know how to do it, David Williams is brilliant and he knows so many scriptures and will help you. And he's helping our children learn these things. Maybe that's a good discipline to find again this year. I pray for us. We won't be constrained and live by the won't, can't, shouldn't. But step out into the promises of God which are yet for us, with us. Let's pray together. Someone wrote this prayer. I pray you'd pray it quietly as I read it and pray it myself. I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not for fear. 
Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear or doubt or anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air. But in faith and confidence, I breathe freely. These are my native air. In the name of Jesus, I command that those who are held captive by fears should be free. The things that would constrain and oppress, we break your hold in the name of Jesus. And I bless each and every one here with love, the power of God that sets the captives free. Minds be renewed, hearts be at peace, sleep be undisturbed, faith rise up. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And over our church and our witness and ministry, Jesus, we promise pledge to step out in faith, guided by your word, inspired by your spirit, in the adventure of this coming year, we want to be guided in the confidence that he is with us, do not be afraid. And just as the shepherd said, we will leave the field and go and see what has been told. Let that be our journey. We will hear what God has declared and we will go and see and discover. In Jesus' name, amen.